What's up? It's good to hear from me. I would say it's good to hear from you or see you, but in a podcast format, I can't see you or hear you, but you can only hear me. So it is good to hear from me, uh, especially since it's been a little while <coughs> since um, our last episode together. You know, I feel as though we're on a mission together, me and the listeners. It's not just me, but um, it's me and all of you guys that listen to these episodes when I put them out and share them and help me reach people uh, with these teachings that I do on these podcasts. And um, it is a little confusing, I'm sure, because I don't keep a very consistent schedule of releasing these. Um, as you know, if you if you follow me and stuff, I travel uh, quite a bit, and so I don't exactly have set times and days of recording a lot of times it gets mixed up and jumbled and it's different all the time. Um, and many times, I, I never come on here unless I feel stirred in my spirit to share about something. Um, because I don't want it, this to become routine of just like, oh, okay, well, it's Friday, it's 7 o'clock, I gotta have a word to share on the podcast for this week, and uh, I gotta force something out that's not there. You know, and I don't ever want to get in that kind of mode. I want these always to be <clears throat> coming from the overflow of a prayer life with God and seeking the Lord in my private time. And so that when I do episodes, it's actually a genuine word from God that I feel is in my spirit. <clears throat> and so that's what I want today to be. And that's what I want every episode that I ever do on these uh, podcasts to be. <clears throat> and so I'm glad today to be with you, and I'm also glad that you took time to digitally seek the Lord. And this is kind of a new phrase that I thought of today, um, because the Bible tells us to diligently seek the Lord, um, and I believe that we're doing so by listening to this episode and me uh, sharing from the Word of God today. But with all of these new means and methods of podcasting and Facebook Live, Instagram Live, and all this stuff that we have now, not only are we diligently seeking the Lord, but we're digitally seeking the Lord. And I thought that was hilarious because I'm like an old man and uh, I have the humor of like a 50-year-old man. And so glad you're on, glad you're listening, and glad that you are digitally seeking the Lord. Hilarious. Um, but today is going to be a good podcast because I want to continue in this vein and this flow that I feel God has uh, stirred my heart up about, which is holiness and holy living and the Holy Spirit. And I want to come um, from an angle on this topic from the perspective of Bible prophecy. And so today I have entitled this episode, A Sign of the End of the World. A Sign of the End of the World. It can sound very like harrowing and very ominous, I guess, if you don't really understand uh, where I'm coming from with this episode. Uh, I'm not predicting the end of the world today. <laughs> I'm not one of those guys that um, buys a billboard and puts a time and date of when the world will end. That's not what I'm trying to accomplish here today. Um, but I do believe the Bible is very clear, and Jesus himself in the Gospels was very clear about signs that we could look and see that would give us an indication of a time and a season that you're living in and that there were things that Jesus said to look for that in, with you, if you saw them, it was a sign that the end of days was coming, the end of the age. And so I want to show you one of those signs and it's something obviously that will flow into the vein of holiness and sin and things that we're seeing now not only in the world, but it's starting to creep into the modern church. And so I want to read out of Matthew 24. I want to read the words of Christ today, something that he told the disciples. And uh, excuse me if I sound a little sniffly and congested today. Um, I get allergies from time to time, and today is like not my day for that. And uh, But I want to do a podcast so bad, it was just like a thorn in my flesh. The enemy tried to stop my voice, gang. Uh, but I'm not going to allow him to do it. But if I start sniffling and I sound gross, I apologize. 
I can't help it. If I could help it, I would. But anyways, Matthew 24, a sign of the end of the world. A sign of the end of the world. You know what? Actually, before we read out of Matthew 24, I just want you to understand my heart behind making this episode at all. Um, because I'm sure if you listen to these podcasts, you remember the episode I made a few weeks ago now, uh, Killing Cool Christianity. And that whole podcast was about a desire to see holiness come back into the church. But today is going to be coming from a different angle because I want to deal with not just the church, but the world as a whole. Because there were signs that Jesus pointed to that would be existing not just in the church, but in the world at large. And so think of this, a thought that I had today. If sin is creeping into the modern church, how bad has sin or lawlessness, as the Bible calls it, gotten in the world? You know, they say, um, if you find a cockroach in your house, like on your kitchen floor, that though it's only one cockroach, just the fact that it had the audacity to come out from hiding and be in plain view on your kitchen floor, that tells someone that knows, like, an exterminator or whatever, they can tell you that if you see one in your house, then you have to think how much more are hidden in the walls that you can't see. And so it's the same way with sin. If sin has gotten so bad that nowadays it seems like you can go on national television and sin 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is applauded and displayed and broadcasted across the world and across the United States. And it's not only accepted, but now it's celebrated to the point where if you don't accept sin, where if you even speak a word against something that is sinful, that you're the issue and that you're the problem. And it's exactly what the Bible says in Isaiah 5.20, that in the last days there would be people that would call good evil and evil good. And um, obviously, I don't have to do a lot of convincing for people that are Christians about this issue because you can see every day just how bad sin has gotten and how prevalent it is in society. Man, we live in such a hyper-sin culture, hyper-sexualized culture. Everything's about sex. Everything's about um, having a good time. Everything's about doing as many things possible to give yourself pleasure and uh, living in the moment and living for today and you only live once and you just got to embrace your youth and while you're young you should make all the mistakes you can and you should date as many people as you possibly can and you got to sow your wild oats and all these things, all of these lies really, that the world will feed a generation to, to convince them that the purity of their youth is not worth saving and that you should go out and waste it on things that will ultimately destroy you. And it's a complete anti-Bible, anti-Christ thought. And it's something that Jesus prophesied would be a sign of the end of the world. Um, You know, one thing, me and my dad were talking about it today, but you can go throughout history and look at any great civilization, any great empire, whether it's ancient Egypt, whether it's the Roman Empire, whether it's the British Empire, or even in World War II, certain countries that arose during that time, you can look at any nation that was like the global superpower of their day. Almost all of them were destroyed because of sin and lasciviousness coming into their societies and breaking them apart from the inside. And you might say, oh, that's not true. That's just a Christian's perspective. No, I mean, you can read secular historians' accounts of the Roman Empire, and you can see documented history that as soon as um, drunkenness and wild parties and all of this stuff was occurring in the governments and the leaders of the day of that empire, that was when they began to allow enemies into their kingdom, and they just uh, started to slowly... Uh, rot as a civilization, and it was because of sin. And that's a Bible principle, not just with the Roman Empire, but with any civilization that's ever existed, 
Sin will destroy a nation. And so not only is sin, and this is why I'm taking time today on this podcast to talk about it, because sin doesn't just affect an individual person. Sin doesn't just affect the church. Sin doesn't just affect, uh, affect the world, but sin can destroy a nation. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 34, I believe, it says that sin brings a reproach upon the people, but righteousness will exalt a nation. And so it's a biblical principle that living righteously and living pure and living for the Lord, not only does it affect you, but it affects the area or the country or the city or the place that you live, that you can be a light in the darkness of a place that you live. I mean, I'm sure if you've traveled, and I'm sure many of you have traveled, there are certain cities that have a dark atmosphere to them. It's true. Like if you visit New York City, New York City feels very different than Nashville, Tennessee, or something like that. And it's not that sin doesn't exist in Tennessee just as much as it exists in New York, but there is a different level when it's, you know, blatant sin and certain things that occur in a place where you can feel a difference. It feels like just a darkness over a place or a heaviness where you know that there's just a different spirit that exists in a city or a place. And so I, th- I believe I'm not the only one that feels that way. If you've traveled and you have a discerning spirit, you understand what I'm talking about, that there can be uh, a spirit attached to a city. I mean, you think of Chicago, Illinois, there is a spirit of murder and death on that city. I mean, I have friends that live there. They can tell you that there is definitely a stronghold upon that city. They lead per capita by a mile every single year, statistically, uh, with gun violence and murder and gang uh, violence. Every single year, Chicago, Illinois. And it's because sin brings a reproach upon the people. And so it is absolutely true that sin doesn't just have effect individually upon your life or your friend's life or a church, the modern church, um, individual places of worship, but it also affects regions, cities, states, and even countries. And so I want to deal with that today from the Bible uh, in Matthew 24 because this is absolutely a sign of the end of the times or the end of the world is what I've called it today. And I want to show you the words of Jesus in Matthew 24. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. And uh, one thing I want you to understand uh, from my heart before I read this um, is that my heart behind making this podcast is not to make people afraid. My heart behind this podcast is to make people be diligent and sober to the fact that Jesus is coming very, very soon. And that there are signs that you can see in the word of God to decide and decipher and discern that his return is as as, uh, as near as ever been before. And understand something, that for Christians, people that are saved, people that are full of the Holy Spirit, what I share today should be exciting to understand. Obviously, it should be humbling to understand that, th- that the Lord's coming back soon, but it also should be exciting because obviously Jesus said when you see all of these signs taking place, don't be discouraged, but lift your eyes uh, for your redemption draws nigh, that to be ready and live ready. And that's my purpose behind making this podcast. And if you're listening today, as I talk about the end of times and the end of the world and the things the Bible talks about and prophesies will occur, if you feel an uneasiness, if you feel worry, if you feel like, man, I, I don't understand why, but I just feel some sort of fear come on me as Preston's talking about these things, that's a sign that you need to make things right with God. Because if you were right with God, you would have no fear as I talk about these subjects. And so I want to give an opportunity at the end of this uh, podcast to give people the opportunity to accept Jesus' forgiveness in the blood of Jesus and be forgiven and make things right with God so that you can be assured 
that if Jesus were to come back tomorrow, you would be accounted for and your name would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you would spend your eternity in heaven uh, with, with the Lord. And so I'm going to give everyone that opportunity at the end of this podcast uh, because it would be very pointless for me to preach and teach on the end of times and uh, signs of the coming of Jesus Christ and then not give people the opportunity to accept the forgiveness of God, especially as an evangelist. And so I want to give you the opportunity at the end. But with all of that out of the way, all of that intro out of the way, let's jump right into Matthew 24. And I want to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 3. And this is the ESV version. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, Jesus, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. <coughs> See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. And so I want to pause there before I continue reading. Jesus clarified, <coughs> excuse me, that there would be signs of his coming. There would be rumors of war and war. But he said something very interesting. He said, but do not be alarmed or do not worry. Don't have anxiety about these things for these things must take place. And so it's always interesting for me to see the worry and the panic of believers <clears throat> when they begin to see Bible prophecy play out before their eyes. It shouldn't be alarming. It shouldn't be something that brings uh, confusion or worry or anxiety or makes you lose sleep at night and you can't get rest. <clears throat> because you're worried about all these things occurring in the world. Jesus said, don't be alarmed when you see these things, because these things have to take place. They're things that have to take place because they were prophesied beforehand that they would happen. And so as a Christian, there should be no worry whatsoever in your mind when you see these things taking place. And I want to make that clear before I continue reading. In verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then, verse 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another, and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise, and lead many astray. And because, here's the key verse, verse 12 of Matthew 24, and because lawlessness, or sin, will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. I'm going to read that again. It's a very key verse for today's episode of what I'm trying to accomplish and teach today. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one, here's the good news, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so the key verse there was that lawlessness, which is what uh, one of the things the Bible refers to as sin, will be increased. And so a sign of the end of the world is that sin and lawlessness and all of the things that we see, especially in our generation every day of people embracing lifestyles that are not of God, falling into temptations that the Bible warns us about, people accepting things and dismissing them as things that people go through every day, people being more um, accepting of things that used to be 
automatically dismissed from the church and automatically corrected in the church. Now it's creeped into the point where they've accepted it and they have things in their life that are causing them to fall and stumble. And now there's this huge shift going on in the world. I don't know if you can feel it. And especially in the church as well. But I'm coming at it from this perspective that Jesus prophesied these things would take place, that these things would happen. Lawlessness will be increased. But what does it say after that? It says the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so, you know, understand the Bible says you will never be tempted beyond your ability, that God will always give you a way out. And so I'm not trying to preach and teach a doom and gloom message today that sin's going to abound and we're all going to fall into sin and be tempted and all this kind of thing. Everybody's tempted, but God has given you the ability, you and me, the ability to overcome temptation and live free from the power of sin. Jesus made that possible with his death on the cross and with his blood. And so I'm coming from the perspective today that you have the ability to live free from sin, that you don't have to go and be a part of a spirit of the age and a spirit of the world, an antichrist spirit, but you can make a decision that I will be different even though my world is falling into a state of moral decay, even though people are convincing me that if I don't have sex before marriage that I'm a loser, if I don't sleep with five different people before I get married that I missed out and I'm going to be unfulfilled in my marriage one day and all of these lies. You know, all of these things that they say um, are such lies and it will never make you happy. You know, it's always empty promises that the world gives you. And God's word is never an empty promise. God's word, though, yes, it will require sacrifice from you. In the end, it's worth so much more than the system and the ways that the world does things. And so the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end is death. And so I'm not living my life in a way to please the world. I could care less what the world thinks about me. You know, I think I mentioned it in my podcast, my last one. But once you see what the world accepts and says is cool and what says is popular and you see what they value, you could care less what they criticize because it's getting crazy. I mean, the things that you see every day on your phone, and I'm really struggling with my my nose today, sorry. But the things that you see that they accept and they parade and they celebrate is insane. It's totally insane. And so it doesn't bother me bother me that they make fun of people that want to live holy and they call you a prude and they call you a Pharisee and they call you all these things. It doesn't move me at all because I don't care what they think. You know, as much as they think I'm, I, I might, because most people do, I do not care. And I'm not saying that in the, in the sense of some people that say that, that they get angry, like, oh, I don't even care. And, they, and obviously they do care because you can tell they're getting angry. I genuinely don't care at all what the world thinks. And I'm only trying to please God because I understand the covenant I have with God. And I understand in the end, the benefits of a life given to God. And I want that. I desire God's spirit. I desire to be anointed. I desire to have God's hand upon me in my ministry. I desire to stand out from amongst a crowd. I desire to be marked by the Lord and to have a distinct calling and to and to fulfill my calling. I don't desire to displease the Lord. Most of all, the thing, the thing I worry about the most is missing God and disobeying and delaying my purpose and my destiny because I'm not doing what he wants me to do. Above all else, I want to please the Lord with my life. I want the Lord to see me and see me as a vessel that he can use for a great purpose. I don't want to be a common vessel. I don't want to be just another face in a crowd. I want to be that person that 2 Chronicles 16, 9 talks about. Someone whose heart is fixed on the Lord. Someone that the Lord is looking for, that when he finds them, he can show himself strong on their behalf. That's what I desire from the Lord. That's what I desire with my life. When I wake up in the morning, that's it's on my mind. 
What's on my mind is not what can I do to make people like me. What's on my mind is what clothes can I wear to make people give me attention or whatever. And they're probably, let's be honest, with me, there's no clothes I could wear to get attention. But I'm just saying to make a point because I know there's people that do that. But understand something. My entire purpose of being on this planet is to please God in how I conduct myself, how I speak, encouraging other people and helping people. That's what I want my life to be. And I'm willing to take the criticisms. I'm willing to take the shots. I'm willing to take the insults because it's worth that much to me. And I've died to the opinions of the world. You know, one of the principal basic doctrines that you learn to accept when you accept Christ is that the old man or the old woman, if you're a woman, has passed away. They've died. They've been buried. You know, the purpose of baptism is a symbolic gesture that the old you has drowned, that you've passed away, and now you've come up out of the water as a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so how can you make fun of someone that's already dead? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If someone's dead, it's very hard to hurt their feelings. <laughs> you know, if I went to a graveyard and started, like, roasting people that were in a, a casket six feet under the ground, I would be a psychopath. But understand something in the spirit that's what it looks like when people that are in the world try to make fun of you for living holy and trying to live according to the word of God you can't make fun of a dead person it makes no sense because it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives on the inside of me those are biblical doctrines right there and so let them make fun of you let them criticize you but you'll know in your spirit that what you're doing is something that will be beneficial to you, not only in this life, but in the life to come. I mean, think of how short life is. I mean, what is 85 years? What is 95 years? Even if you live all the way up into your 115th birthday, what is 120 years compared to an eternity where thousands and thousands of years, 10,000 years spent in heaven, is but a drop in the bucket of what time will feel like when you get to heaven. I, it's very, it's very interesting to me that people that are saved, I'm not even speaking about unbelievers, but there's people that are saved that put so much weight and so much value and they place all their treasures on this earth and on this planet where moth and rust can corrupt and destroy but that's not what Jesus said to do. He said, lay up treasures that are in heaven, that are incorruptible, that can't be stolen from, that can't be diminished. That's where you should place your treasure, and that's where you should place your hope. And so, these whole teachings, you know, these past episodes I've done, these past three or four episodes, have been about this very thing, about living for the approval of God and rejecting the approval of mankind. Mankind has lost its mind. They've lost their mind. I mean, it's insane to go on CNN or, or Fox News or any of these things and see the kinds of things they spend time talking about. You know, talking about these critical race theory courses going into schools and, you know, should we allow uh, transvestites to come into our schools and our um, elementary schools and teach our children about uh, the LGBTQ and how... You know, you get to decide what gender you are. And should we uh, change our bathrooms to allow all genders to share a bathroom because we don't want to discriminate and we don't want to assign people's uh, identities through gender. And, you know, it's just insane. It's like the more the world, quote unquote, progresses and gets technologically advanced and gets smarter and they get all their degrees, it's like the dumber they get. It's like the smarter they get, the dumber they get. And it's just like the Bible says in Romans 1, I believe it is, that in the last days there will be people that intending to become wise, they instead became utter fools. That the, Because why? Because the wisdom of men is foolishness unto God. And the wisdom of God is foolishness unto mankind. And so, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's an answer for everything in the Bible. When you really think about it, Anything that you need an answer to is found in the Bible. It's crazy how you can read the Bible 
And it's like it was written today just specifically for you in the time that you live in. And that's just the Holy Spirit being on the words that are in the Bible. But seriously, the Bible knows the future better than we know the past. God knows the future better than we know the past. And so why would I place my future and my hope in people that don't even know what to do today and not even acknowledge the God that knows the end of days and knows the end from the beginning and is the Alpha and the Omega, that He knows exactly what I should do. He knows exactly the path I should take. He knows exactly the decision I should make. Why would I spend my time and my life and my energy and my thought process and all of these things, spend it on people in a system and a spirit that could care less about me and knows nothing about how to truly fulfill and how to truly satisfy. It's absolute nonsense to me. It's absolutely crazy just thinking about it logically when it comes to why would someone place their hope in the world and dismiss the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't even make logical sense to me because once you understand who God is, that he's all-knowing and all-powerful, and that he loves you, and that he knows the direction that your life should take. He knows exactly where to place you. He knows exactly the person you'll marry. He knows exactly uh, the place that one day you'll live and do what you're called to do. Why would I spend my time ignoring him and trying to please people that know none of the things that he knows? It's, it's totally insane. But that's what happens when you feed your flesh and your soul more than you feed your spirit. But that's why I'm glad that you're on today. Because as you listen to content like this and other great men and women of God, and I'm not saying that I'm like comparable to those kinds of people, but it is good to hear the word of God, especially for some, from someone that is in, within your age group and someone that um, you can say, hey, I'm not much older than him. I'm not much younger than him. And so it's good that you're on today. Because it helps stir your spirit and strengthen your spirit to understand what the Word of God says and how clear it is on this subject. And so I want to continue reading in Matthew 24 because there's a key verse I want to get to. Um, and so I want you to go to verse 36 if you listen to these with the Bible. And if you don't and you just want to know the reference, I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 24 and I want to begin in verse 36. Jesus again says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, this is the key verse, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And so I read those verses because it's key to today's teaching. Where Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. So shall it be when Jesus comes again. And so... What was it like in the days of Noah? Obviously, if you've grown up in church, you understand that in the days of Noah, the Bible says that lawlessness and violence and sin were at all-time highs, that it was comparable to Sodom and Gomorrah, and that they were signs that the end was coming. And so you can look at those stories. I won't go to Genesis 6 and read to you exactly, or maybe it's Genesis 7. I won't read you exactly, you know, the kinds of sins they were uh, participating in, but it was sexual sin. It was, you know, men sleeping with other men. It was women sleeping with other women. It was violence. There was murder. I mean, just insane amount of sin breaking out where God looked down from heaven upon creation and he regretted in his heart for making them and he had to start over. And so he sent the flood and... It's interesting that Jesus compares those times, the days of Noah, 
and says that those days will be very similar to how it will be before the second coming of Jesus Christ, before he returns. And so, a sign of the end of the world, it's what this podcast is called today, sin and lawlessness at all time levels. Um, I mean, I don't have to, I thought about it, I was like, maybe I should get statistics and read the kinds of uh, things that are occurring with, with, uh, with sin, but I didn't feel like that was exactly needed, but I don't have to convince you guys that sin is at all time levels. I mean, they say by the time somebody is 13 or 14, I think it was like 75% of them have seen or viewed pornography at least once. And many of them get addicted when they're 13, 14, and they're addicted their whole life after that. And, uh, it's interesting because sin is so much more accessible. I mean, I talk about this a lot on these episodes. But our generation has the most access to sin than any other generation that's ever existed. We're now at a touch of a button. We can access anything we want and we can look at anything we want. Where before, you had to get a, a magazine, you had to hide it under your bed and your parents would uh, look under your bed for things that you shouldn't be looking at and it was much more difficult to sin in that way, where now, you know, kids get iPhones for Christmas at 13, 12, 11, and then they have access to all of these things that they watch on YouTube videos, and, and then they get curious, and they go on their Google browsers, and they look up, you know, it's just insane how sin has become so accessible for our generation and even those that are younger, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. And it's very disheartening, but understand something. It's something the Bible prophesied would take place. For as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so, I take that passage as I read it, and I share it with you today to tell you to live holy and be ready. Live holy and be ready. For Jesus is coming soon. He's knocking at the door. You will know, the Bible mentions it, that when you see all these things, know that the, the master is at the door, even near the door. He's knocking. He's getting ready to come. And so live ready and be holy. Understand that time is short and that Jesus is coming soon. Don't be oblivious to the time and the day in which you live, but be discerning and understand the time and the season in that which you live. It's a season where, yes, there is sin, and yes, there is lawlessness, and yes, all of these things are taking place, but it's also a time to have good cheer and be of a good spirit, for you know that the Master, Jesus, is coming soon. And if you believe in Him and accept Him, then you won't have to participate and be around for the tribulation and all of the things that will come upon the world, but the Lord will bring you out, and you'll meet him in the air, and you will spend your eternity in heaven, and the Bible says in the book of Revelation that he will spare his people from that hour of trial. And so, like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, for Christians, this should not be a disheartening episode. This should not be something that you become afraid of because I'm talking about it. You know, Preston said the world's ending. You know, I'm not saying the world's ending. I'm saying that we're living in the last days. I think any Bible scholar, any pastor, any leader in the church would agree that we're living in the last days. I mean, you can just think of the prophecy of Joel 2.28, which was confirmed in Acts 2 when the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost and Peter stood up and preached and he said, after the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room, he said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. That what? In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so just taking that, the last days began the moment that the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And so it's been 2,000 years since that moment. And so if the last days began 
in Acts 2 when the Holy Ghost fell, and now we're thousands of years in the future from that moment, we're not just in the last days. We are in the final moments of the last hour of the last days. And so, yes, it's a time to live ready, and it's a time to be holy and understand that Jesus is coming soon, and the Bible prophesied beforehand that lawlessness and sin and all of these things would be a sign that the end is near and that the end of the world is coming soon. And so again, I'm not predicting a date. I'm not renting out a billboard on the highway and telling people that the Lord's coming back on July 25th at 8 p.m. and we're going to gather and drink Kool-Aid in my house before he comes. You know, I'm not I'm not one of those guys. But I am saying that there's a reason Jesus gave us signs to look towards and see to understand when the last days would occur. And so it's important to understand that today, especially in the realm of holiness and all of these things that we've been talking about on these episodes uh, recently. You know, I dealt with relationships last week, and then I dealt with uh, cool Christianity the week before, and now I'm dealing with Bible prophecy and dealing with holiness from the perspective of what Jesus said would occur in the end of time. And so I want you to turn, this won't be Jesus, this will be Paul, um, but I want to read of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And I hope this is helping somebody. Uh, I hope this is stirring your faith. I hope this is um, encouraging you to live ready. Because holiness is not just about having the right boyfriend or girlfriend or marrying the right person, though it is also about those things. Holiness is not just about uh, things that you post on your Instagram or uh, certain ways you should conduct yourself and certain things that you should uh, live by, though it is, absolutely, I've been dealing with that. But holiness in today's episode is also something that will set you apart in this time that you live in to the point where God can use you in a great measure because holiness is rare. Holiness is rare. Purity is rare. But power only comes out of purity. You know, you think of the life of Christ and his ministry, how through his purity and his separation, God used him in a way. And obviously, I understand he was the son of God. But the Bible says he was tempted in every way, yet as we, yet he sinned not. And so you, you, don't, you can't think that Jesus just had this uh, ability to live free from sin and he wasn't tempted in his flesh to do things like we are. The Bible makes sure to tell you that he, in fact, was. And that's what makes it all the more powerful, was that he was a man. And he was tempted in every way as a man is tempted, yet he sinned not. And because of that, he was able to be used, probably obviously the most powerful way that any other person has been used on this earth. And so purity produces power. And purity is a sure way to allow God to see you. And God is looking for someone that's just like you when you live holy. Because he can use you in a way that he can't use people that aren't living holy. And so I want to read out of <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, <clears throat> if my voice will allow me. Again, I'm sorry for the sniffling and the congested voice. I, uh, I'm really trying because I, I really feel this on my heart. But allergies are being an obstacle right now. But uh, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to begin reading in verse 1. Uh, the Bible says this. This is a letter of Paul. Verse 1, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we need to know about this, especially for today, because it concerns the coming of the Lord Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered together to him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. And so I was mentioning about how I'm not trying to be one of those guys that's giving you an exact time and date of when Jesus is coming back because 
not only does the Bible say no one knows the day or the hour, but Paul said to be wary of people that are telling you that the day of the Lord has already come. <laughs> and so uh, it's important to stay in the Bible when it comes to uh, this topic of uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, he continues on, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, comma, unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. That's referencing the Antichrist. Verse 4, Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God, or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And then here are our key verses, uh, 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. So again, time Time is always mentioned when it comes to the second coming of Christ. It's very important to understand why the Bible deals with seasons and times. And then verse 7, it reveals something that will occur in the time. And it applies to this episode today of what we're talking about. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness, again, lawlessness, that word being used, again, sin, is already at work. So Paul mentions that though the Antichrist hasn't come yet or isn't there, lawlessness is already at work, comma, only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, here's the cool part, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Hallelujah. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they will believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. But here's the key part again had pleasure in unrighteousness. Very humbling to read that those scriptures. And I know I, I read a lot of scriptures out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But it's very important to understand what Paul was talking about on this episode today because it applies perfectly to this teaching. And so the Bible again mentions a second time over that in the time where the Antichrist will be revealed, that is the end of time, that is the time when Jesus will be coming back, it mentions lawlessness again being a sign of that age and that time. And that there will be a spirit of delusion. Hear, hear me today. Hear me. There will be a spirit of delusion that will come upon people in that time before Jesus comes back. A sign of the end of the world. Hmm. A sign of the end of the world. Lawlessness, rebellion, sin, and delusion. Why would there be delusion? There will be a delusion, the Bible says, because they did not accept the love of God, but they instead had pleasure in unrighteousness, which is sin, obviously, what the Bible's talking about there. And so, a spirit of delusion. I mean, you can tell. I mean, I, I again, I, I never want to call out names, ever. You know, I made that mistake the first time on my Instagram story with that whole stuff that was going on, you know. And uh, I just feel it's not right to mention names when it comes to things like this. But uh, there are many people, and I'm going to deal with the church for a, couple, a few minutes here, because there are many people within the church, in my opinion, that are under a spirit of delusion. 
that their mind doesn't think the way it used to think. That because of a continued practice and deliberate sinning and living a lifestyle that angers God and displeases the Lord, they've been given over to a delusional spirit where now it's like they can't even think straight. And it should answer the question as to why, you know, why would a man of God, why would a woman of God, why would somebody that has this great influence, has all these people that listen to them and, and receive encouragement from them and, and receive the word of God from them, why would they mask up their people after there were emails revealed from Anthony Fauci where he plainly stated that masks do not work? And it's been over a year and what, like four months since this thing began in March of 2020. And we're still dealing with these things in the church. It's absolute delusion and it's fear. You know, another thing the Bible says will be a sign of the end of the world is that people's hearts will fail them because of fear. Fear. Fear is demonic. And it comes when people get their minds off the word of God and start trusting in man. I mean, I can't imagine the panic and the fear and the anxiety that would come if I had all of my hope placed on man and placed in government. I mean, government, good Lord, they lie every day. I mean, as you've seen during this pandemic, it was like the rules changed every single week. Mass work, mass don't work, six feet, six feet only when it's not possible. If you if you can maintain six feet, you don't need a mask. Okay, now you need six feet plus a mask. Okay, now you need six feet plus a mask plus uh, a, a window in front of your cashier. Okay, now you need a mask. Now you need six feet, a mask, and then a second mask and a third mask and the plastic uh, shield in front of the cashier's face, and now you need that. You know, it was just like insane how they never could figure out what would work and what wouldn't work. You know, it was like the rules were constantly changing. And then what happened was the response to the disease ended up being of greater turmoil than the disease itself. I mean, economies crashed. People lost their jobs. People couldn't keep their businesses afloat. People were getting sick because of overusing masks, where they were having breathing problems because they were breathing in their own uh, things that usually when you breathe out, they go out into the air. Because of the mask, though, they were just over and over again inhaling things that were getting caught in their mask from their own body, and they were getting sick, and it was just insane. And now... We have the next level of people that are getting sick and having problems in their body because of the vaccine. You know, and I don't even know if Apple Podcasts can tell if you've said the word vaccine and they'll like take this down. I mean, think of how crazy that is that you have to worry about stuff like that now. Just by saying the word vaccine, you'll get you'll get taken off of uh, their platform. Crazy. Anyway, but it's total delusion that the Bible talks about, a spirit of delusion. You can see how insane it is. <laughs> Seriously. How insane it is how the world has responded in this past year and four months or however long it's been with this stuff. And people in church, you know, I kind of got on a little tangent there, but I was trying to refer to people in the church that are reinstituting mass, that are going back to online-only services because of the Delta variant. I mean, how many times does the government have to lie to you and trick you and dupe you before you understand that it's an agenda by men to make you afraid and fill you with a delusion? Seriously. But I've under I understand something now from the Word of God out of what we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there will be and interesting that it says God sends it. It doesn't say the devil sends it. In verse 11, you can see it for yourself. 2 Thessalonians 2.11, it says that God will send a spirit of delusion upon people's minds in the last days. Because of what? Because of lawlessness. Because of sin. Sin will kill you. 
I mean, think of how humbling that thought is. That because of continued sin, God himself sent a spirit of delusion so that they would believe what is false. Verse 11. In order, verse 12, that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, those that took pleasure in sin, those that took pleasure in the things of the world, they were given a delusion so as to not be able to understand and come back even to repentance. And God sent it. I mean, good Lord, think of that. Think of how much this kind of thing matters. You know, Preston, he's been talking about sin every week on his podcast. I mean, I, I believe sin's wrong. I believe that we should talk about it, but not, all, not as much as he does, not as much as that. Well, God dealt with it quite a bit. You know, the Bible talks about sin much more than it does pretty much anything else. And so I believe, especially being led of the Lord and led of the Spirit to deal with these topics, I feel that our generation hasn't even heard really teaching on these things. All they hear is, oh, you can live a life that's uh, not in sin, but they give you no practical advice. They give you no word to stand on. You know, the Bible says, how can a man, I think it's Psalm 119.9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By doing everything according to thy word. And so... I'm proud of you for listening to this podcast today. I'm proud of you for reading your Bible in your private time and praying. That's how you stay free from sin. David wrote in the Psalms, he said, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so don't believe a lie that says that you can't live pure and you can't live holy. That in the day and age that in which we live, how many of you know every day we fall into sin? How many know every day we fall short? And obviously the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God and all have sinned. I understand that. But once you receive Christ and once you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've received the ability to live free from sin and overcome sin. And grace, you know, again, another, another delusion that's tried to creep into the body of Christ and has the past years is a, is grace, you know, covers all your sin and you can do whatever you want because of God's grace. And that's not what biblical grace is. That's not what Paul was talking about. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the power to live free from sin through the blood of Jesus. And so that's been lost on a generation. That's been lost on people where they just think all oh, sins is something you deal with every day and it's something you'll never be free from. No, you can make sin your slave. You can make sin bow to the authority that lives in you because of the grace of God. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the, in the, uh, lives in the world. And so the spirit of the world cannot compare to the spirit that now dwells in you by the grace of God. And that is the ability to live free from sin and live holy and live pure. And so with this podcast today, my again, my objective was not to make anybody fearful. My objective was not to make anybody uh, question their salvation. But my objective was to make it clear to you that God's word is clear that a sign of the end of time, a sign of the end of the world, is increased lawlessness and an increase of sin throughout the world. Jesus prophesied it. Paul wrote about it in his letters. Revelation speaks of it. All of prophecy deals with a spirit of rebellion and a spirit of delusion, a spirit of sin that will come upon people during the last days. And so my heart behind coming across with holiness from this angle of Bible prophecy was to allow you to understand that the word of God is clear on these subjects so that you might be ready and live holy and live with the understanding that Jesus is coming soon and he's looking for a holy people that will live and do everything according to his word. And according to Psalm 119.9, that is how a young person 
can keep their way pure. You keep your way pure by putting the word of God before your eyes every day. You keep your way pure by listening to anointing, anointed preaching every day. You know, there's people that are much, much better than me at what I do. Understand something. And so I'm grateful that you listen to me. But you should listen to T.L. Osborne or um, R.W. Shambach or Catherine Kuhlman or Kenneth Hagen or Kenneth Copeland. Or, you know, there's so many great, great preachers. I love Bishop Kevin Wallace in Tennessee. You know, I could give you name after name after name of anointed, mighty preachers, men and women that God has placed on this earth. A lot of them are gone now, but there's still ones that exist now. And you should pour the word of God into your heart every single day because that's how a young person can keep their way pure. And that's how someone can live holy even in the world and, and day and age in which you live by holiness and by purity. And so I hope this helped you today as I come to an end. And I, like I mentioned in the beginning, I want to give an opportunity to every single person that's listening to either accept Christ for the very first time and accept forgiveness, or if maybe as I was speaking, you felt an, you feel a need to make sure and rededicate your life to God and plead the blood of Jesus over your life anew and afresh. Maybe you felt that as I was speaking uh, on the podcast today. And so I want to give you that opportunity to accept that forgiveness that you need because I'm not trying to be a holier-than-thou preacher that makes you feel condemned uh, for things, but it also is my job to make you feel convicted of sin. If you can listen to these podcasts and you don't feel convicted of your sin, then I have failed you as a minister of God. I have failed you in my generation. If you can hear me preach and you don't feel convicted of your sin and feel a need to repent before God and accept the blood of Jesus. I will have failed you if that's the case. And so I want to give every single person that opportunity right now to pray with me a very simple and short prayer where you can be assured of your salvation and be assured that one day you will spend your eternity in heaven with God. And you'll never doubt it again but you'll have perfect peace that as you go to sleep tonight, you'll get the best night's rest that you've ever had because all of the worry of being unsure and overthinking of whether or not you'll go to heaven one day, whether or not you'll be raptured, all of that will leave you in one moment as you pray this prayer with me. And so I want you to repeat this after me. If you're one of those people, just begin to say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Today, Jesus, I accept you. I plead your blood, and I'll never be the same. Today, Jesus, I reject the world. I reject the way the world does things. And I accept your word. I accept your way, and I accept your will. Today, Jesus, I will live the rest of my days for you. And I will spend my eternity in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. And as you've prayed that prayer, I believe God has done a mighty work. Uh, the Bible says that those that believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that he's coming back again, and that God raised him from the dead, they shall be saved. And so, I believe that you will be one of those people that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you will spend your eternity with God. It's so important for us today, you know, as I wrap up this episode, to understand the time in which you live, to understand the Bible is clear about the signs of the end of the world. And one of the chief signs that you can see throughout the Bible is sin, rebellion, and lawlessness increasing every single day. And so it's important to understand that, and it's important to live ready and understand the value of holiness as you go about your day and go about your life. 
And so I want you to know I love you today as I wrap this up. Uh, I hope to be on with you again soon. And uh, I always love coming on and sharing uh, what's been on my heart. And so if this has blessed you, that makes me happy. Uh, you can feel free to share this with someone that you feel would be benefited from it. I always love to see you guys sharing uh, these episodes. And uh, if you feel led, um, obviously no pressure at all. Uh, but you can go to my website, which is in my bio on my Instagram account. Or you can just search it on your phone uh, right now. And it's PrestonShuttlesworth.com. And through that website, uh, there's an ability to give and uh, join me in partnership as I preach the gospel and carry the message of Jesus Christ to a new generation. Uh, you can stand with me financially uh, through my website. There's a portal, not like a portal to another dimension, but um, there's a portal on the website where you can give and uh, come into agreement with my vision and God's vision that he's given to me. And so if you feel led to do that, I want to thank you ahead of time for your giving. Uh, I'm going to be traveling uh, in the coming weeks, but I'm going to do my best to come on this podcast at least once a week. I know I'm very inconsistent. And like I said, I, I always like to come on when I feel stirred to share something from my spirit. And that's why I was on today. And so uh, I hope to hear from you soon. I hope to see you soon in person, maybe at an upcoming event. And if not, uh, I'll see you in heaven one day and it will be wonderful. And uh, I want you guys to know I love you. God loves you. And I'll talk to you guys very soon. Be blessed.